Well, we're back on. <laughs> uh, come and join us. For those of you who are not aware, we were kicked off, and that's what happens. Um, we are back on now, so we, we welcome you back. Thanks for being here again this morning. We're going to probably just play something different, uh, <laughs> just to make sure that we don't have any issues with uh, getting taken out. Uh, I have my little backup song. Um, uh, Arlen, good morning. Uh, guess what happened? We got kicked out. Um, that's how it happens. But uh, we're going to go ahead and get, um, I'm going to play something else. I'm going to get back to my drive, though. Thank you for being here this morning. We are back. Uh, thanks for joining us. We are just trying to uh, probably play a substitute here real quick to make sure that we have uh, a little bit of music this morning. And I believe I can get, uh, let's see if I can find it real quick. Glad you could be here this morning. I tell you, you know, every now and then things happen where you, know, you just have to, you, you really have to watch and make sure people are very, very protective of their music and there's not much you can really say um, except that's how it goes. Well, here I'll play something here from the Singing Angels from 1973. This will blow your mind. This shouldn't get kicked off. Charles and Joanna, good morning. Thanks for being here. Nate Marnell, good morning. Thanks for being here. Singing Angels from 1973. Cindy, good morning. Got Marnell in all caps. How'd you do that? <laughs> this is pre you better believe this is pre-internet this is when TV stations used to sign off at night this is what they played right before channel 5 signed off at night Jackie, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Rule of thumb, always have a backup. Hey, Jackie, good morning. I know you'd see her at work. Double cup of coffee. Amen. Amen. Singing Angels, 1973, The Lord's Prayer. That was great that we could do that. And I uh, thank you for your patience while we uh, stay on the air. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not, uh, depending upon what's going on. But we made it. We got through it. Thanks for being here this morning, and thanks for your patience while we navigate with 
protected rights of music. Um, and I'm not going to mention who that was, so we're, we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on and, and do something that's uh, going to help us to get into our Sunday school. First of all, just a, a brief announcement. Announcements: We have um, uh, Pastor Gus's message that was supposed to be available online has been delayed. I don't have an update on that. Um, there must have been technical difficulties in getting that. Uh, set up online, so there won't. Right now, there is no message to follow Sunday school online, but it's going to come eventually. We'll get something up for you. Uh, for those of you who are not in Akron and not able to come to church, we'll we'll figure something out for you. The other thing is that, um, of course, there will be church at 11 in, in Akron, and we just anticipate that it'll be uh, uh, decent. Uh, travel conditions look pretty good. It's sunny outside. Everything is good. Ann and Larry, good morning. Thanks for being here, too. So just keep that in mind. Just stay stay with us for a little bit, and we'll figure out what's going on with the message, but uh, online message. The regular message will be available at, in church today. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We uh, encourage everyone to uh, just keep uh, make, making sure that you're providing the tithes and offerings, as you always do. Um, we ask that you, if you're not in Akron, to mail them. Uh, if you are inclined to do so, to Akron Alliance Fellowship. 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. That's uh, uh, Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And we uh, welcome everyone to come with us in Akron to church at 11 uh, with uh, the worship service and the message as well, too. And those are the announcements that I have for right now. We're going to get back into Sunday school, uh, the survey of biblical inerrancy. Uh, I want to make sure that we cover a little bit of uh, what we finished up with at the last Sunday school class to move into this one so that we don't uh, lose continuity too much here uh, because it's a different type of lesson. This is based upon the historical process by Dr. Bill McRae, who did a, a great Bible study online that's available as well too and I, I wanted to make sure that you uh, have continuity here because this is it's important for us to understand too when we look at biblical inerrancy first of all this 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 class I'm calling it a survey because I'm going to be looking at different materials surrounding this subject and this topic it's not about proving biblical inerrancy there's not a proof involved here when you prove something uh, it has to be basically accepted by the person who you're trying to prove it to so what you do is almost like you have a court case, right? You're providing evidence of fact. You give evidence of fact. You provide that information for the, the people who are ultimately the, the judge and the jury. And then from that point on, the, the judge or the jury has to believe the information, the evidence, to make a decision and say this person is either guilty or innocent. Well, in this particular situation here, you're doing the same thing. You're, you're basically making sure that you're providing information for you, the viewer or the listener, to make a decision that the Bible is indeed true because that's really what this is all about. Um, we don't prove anything. It, it's really up to you, and, and honestly, for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe the Bible is inerrant in nature because of the fact that the Holy Spirit has to give us the reinforcement to show us that. There is a, a study going on right now on TV by Dr. David Jeremiah who is talking about biblical prophecy. Well, 
a lot of the things that we see that are taking place when it comes to biblical prophecy, a lot of this stuff lines up with what the Bible is saying, and people have to understand that, well, what is the real proof? The proof is, is that the Bible is true, and that that prophecy is being given for us to see the, the benefit of trusting in the Lord, because he is trying to give you information that's helpful for you, so that you can deal with the future events that are going to take place. And for that matter, that's what we really need to see here. Um, when we look at even the evidence of how God answers prayer, the very, the very basic things that we, we come to understand, how he answers prayer, when you pray and he gives answers, we have a God who's responsive. Well, if, if he's a responsive God, then certainly we need to go back to where his word is and what, his, what he says about his character, about his nature. These are all things that we need to take into account as we look at who God is and, and what we believe and how we believe it. And so the Bible is very important for us to rely upon the Bible, God's Word, God's living Word. Good morning, Ed. Uh, good morning, Brandon. Uh, that we rely upon him because he is the one we have to turn to and look to when things get get you know heated, things get turned up. And we understand that uh, what I did want to leave out here was the book of Daniel was giving prophecy for really our entire existence from the point of that time up until the end before Jesus returns. And that was that was a very exciting thing to see and understand. And you have to kind of go through that very slowly. I, I will attest to that because of the imagery, the things that are being described, the things that are said. You have to go through it slowly. Well, that's fine. You just take your time through it. We have a lifetime to go through the Bible, amen? There's, there's no rushing. <laughs> you, we have a lifetime. Uh, there's nothing... Um, we need to make sure that we're focused on that. So with that in mind, uh, since it's almost a quarter to ten here, we want to get, get into the Sunday school and start uh, chipping away at this a little bit and looking at it more and more. And we will be looking at some scriptures as well, too, to try to uh, reinforce some of this as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and get into Sunday school. Thanks for being here again today. God bless you all for being here. We, uh, I want to make sure I'm taking my time, too. Got my clicky pen, got my, <laughs> we're ready to roll. So uh, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to truly hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for how you are the one speaking, not my words, but your words. We appreciate everything that you give to us. We appreciate how you impart wisdom and knowledge to us. Lord, if there are any people listening who have doubts about your word or doubts about what your word has to say may you lord address those issues with those individuals and just give them the information that they need to believe who you truly are and lord we know that for anyone to trust in you as lord and savior you have to put instill upon them the power of the spirit to make that choice and that decision may you continue to do that day after day, where it's needed for those individuals who need to hear your truth and need to understand who you are. We thank you, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, everybody, we are back after it in biblical inerrancy, this survey. And where we left off last time had to do with uh, getting into the biblical revelation. And that's where we left off, and we had covered how... God gives us what we need to understand who he is through what the content of the Bible is. And we've discussed the things general revelation and special revelation. 
And that's where we left off. We mentioned that there are two major classifications of revelation that was general. Um, it's either general, it's, it's going to be doing, dealing with categories, creation, providence, and conscious. That's the general revelation part. And then we left off at the part where we were going to special revelation. And when we mentioned, first of all, man's conscience was a thing we talked about in general revelation. You have to note that you have to look at where God's testimony is about his existence, his character. That's exactly what we were saying here as we were leading into this discussion. We have to believe that God's character is what speaks for all of us, speaks to all of us, and we recognize that he is extremely consistent because he never changed. He has never changed from the beginning, as we understand the beginning, and he has never changed today. He is always consistent in his character. And so now let's look at special revelation because that's a little bit different. And again, thanks to Dr. Bill McRae for this study because uh, I want to give credit for where credit is due. It is not my study. I am referring to his information and relaying it to you because I think it's an excellent study to give a very total look, a complete look at what Scripture does for us. So special revelation deals with the Bible. Special revelation comes has come through the old prophets in the Old Testament all the way through the Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles in the New Testament. It covers the entire Bible, uh, the special revelation, all 66 books. First of all, we're as a reminder, all 66 books always refer to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in some way, shape, or form. And you have to know that there is a major distinction between special revelation and general revelation. Special revelation is God's testimony to the plan of salvation. That's the testimony of God to the plan of salvation. And it's given to sinners, and it's understood only by faith. And that's what I mean about how faith has to be part of this belief that the Bible is inerrant. It has to be in, based upon faith. And the Spirit has to be the one to illuminate, uh, which is exactly what I said earlier. Now, I, you have to understand, a lot of this is, is common sense as we talk about common sense when it comes to relating to who God is. Um, the common sense is that we see the written word when we read our Bibles, but the Holy Spirit has to reveal to us that this is indeed truth. And without the Spirit, I think we would have a very, very hard time of doing that. It's, it, would, it would relegate the Bible to being more like a novel or being more like a book to read or something like that, but not a special revelation of God's uh, truth. So this is something that we need to understand. It was by our understanding, frankly, when we became believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we believed that God was the one that had the eternal plan in place for everyone who acknowledged him to be saved so we, that's that's why we became believers in jesus christ it was nothing really more or less than that we we had to believe that jesus was indeed lord and we had to make that conclusion that jesus was lord and so that's what the holy spirit has to do remember how i mentioned the spirit is the one who saves the people use words we are we are called to proclaim the gospel amen we have to proclaim the gospel as we read in matthew chapter 28 and that, and in other places too, but specifically there, where we're supposed to go out and preach the gospel, go out and speak God's truth, go out and speak about his word, and make sure that you share it with as many people as you can, uh, and do so in such a way where the spirit will be allowed to work in that person's life. Um, we don't save anybody. God is the one who saves everyone. Uh, we only just proclaim the message, and what we have is the privilege of proclaiming God's message. That's what it is. It is a privilege 
It is not a burden. It is not something that we should be taking on as a burden. We shouldn't be taking on a burden in such a way. This has to be taught very correctly and very carefully. It's never a burden to go and speak to other people about the Lord Jesus Christ because you think you're doing something special. No, you, you're speaking truth to people because you're led to do it. And maybe the Spirit is leading you to do it, of course. And ultimately, the Spirit takes care of the rest. When you leave that person, you may never see them again. But the Spirit is the one who is going to bring reminders to people about the importance of acknowledging who Jesus Christ truly is. And that's really what this is all about. That is what, um, that's what churches have the responsibility to do when the sermons are preached, the messages are preached. And ultimately, you'll notice that, I've mentioned this before too, people who sit in church for 30 and 40 years, and yet they don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why is that? Well, believing has to come from who? The Spirit giving that person the knowledge and the understanding to say, yes, I do believe that Jesus is Lord for my life. And But that's something that is between the Spirit, the Lord, and that person. Uh, it's about believing. It's about having faith. It's about believing that what is being said is true. A lot of people are very interesting about how they just don't believe unless they have to see something. And that's but that's the very essence of faith, isn't it? Believing uh, without seeing. That was a whole incident between Jesus and uh, Thomas. Uh, Thomas. Uh, we call him Doubting Thomas. That's, but Thomas, was, uh, that's, Thomas had a different way of processing who Jesus was. Uh, and that's what we need to understand here. So not trying to veer off here, but we want to make sure that we understand that it takes faith to believe and trust that the Bible is inerrant. And so we're going to have this discussion right now about that. So let's move on here. So when we're talking about the revelation, we're talking about either the general revelation given to all men in their conscience. You know, all of us were created in such a manner where we have a core that uh, in our spirit that needs to be filled with something. Amen. I mean, that's what we have to we center ourselves on those things. For those people who don't follow God, they'll follow something else. They'll usually follow themselves. They'll follow what they think is best. But ultimately, we are created in such a manner where we have to believe in something. That is the nature of how we are. We're either going to believe in it in looking at how life uh, transpires in front of us. We're going to believe it based upon what our conscience is. Or we're going to look at creation around us and say, you know what? This is what uh, this is God doing this, and this is not just mankind. This stuff just didn't pop up in midair. All the things that we see in creation, the, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, um, even within our own uh, hemisphere, we see these things that, such as uh, birds and all the things that God created. But we're also now referring to special revelation, which is the revelation that God has given to us in the word that relates to his plan of salvation for men, men and women. Uh, I want to include that, of course, is for everybody. So let's take a look at special revelation and it claims to be divine, and that's what it is. It's divine revelation. It is a divine uh, revelation for, for, for sure. So let's take a look at, uh, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, we're going to look at something here that's very interesting. And I had to go back and look at this again and again and make sure that what I was seeing here was actually true. Um, but this is something that's very interesting here. Genesis 15, verse 1. Uh, I'm going to read all of verse 1. We're going to focus on the first part of verse 1. But look at Genesis 15, 1. This is the New Living Translation. Follow along in your Bibles, please. Uh, 
Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Now, it's a very interesting phrase. The word of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. The word of the Lord came to Abram. Now, according to Dr. McCray, there's about 3,800 occurrences of a phrase like this in the Bible. 3,800 of these. And first of all, the first, the first reason we're saying the Bible claims that there's a revelation of 3,800 is the phrase that says, God said, or thus saith the Lord, or the word of the Lord came. Okay? Now, that's not the same as if you look back further in Genesis, you'll see that God spoke directly to Abram. That's different. This is a little bit different here. When you talk about the word of the Lord came to Abram, or, like I said, thus saith the Lord, or the word of the Lord came. That's different. God had a conversation with Abram in the previous chapters as if I'm speaking to you right now. It's just like so-and-so said something to so-and-so. It's just, But this is different. And what this is rep- re- referencing here, and what you need to understand about this, you see this... If you read through the Bible, time after time, you're going to look at how it says, God said, or the word of the Lord came, or thus saith the Lord. The prophet stood before the people as he stood and and said, this is a word from God. So there is a claim to revelation there. Do you see it? What it is is that the writer is basically saying that every time a prophet would speak, he is saying that here is a claim of revelation that God has revealed this to me. That's what's taking place here. When you read about the prophets, um, Ezekiel, there's, there's this constant reference of how God is speaking to the prophet, and the prophet relays the information to the people. And so we need to understand that, that God has revealed this information to me. And when God is revealing this to Abram in a vision, that's exactly what's happening here. There's a revealing of his word directly to the person so the first evidence of the bible's claim of this reoccurring phrase is this revelation god is revealing this to me and it's being and it's also repeated many times in the bible now this is supposedly the first reference to this in scripture and if you go back and look at uh further back you'll see that it's a little bit different how god speaks to abram so it's worth mentioning and we're in genesis which is the first book so i think it's worthy uh, worthy of discussion and mentioning this okay so this is a divine revelation this is a special revelation that we want to make sure that we understand here um the next way in which the bible claims this to be a divine revelation is that the words of men are often attributed to god um and that's something that we need to understand here too the words that men write down are sometimes in other instances attributed to god himself And let's take a look at evidence of that. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1. And we're going to look at verse 7. Let's start with verse 7. Hebrews 1, 7. And for those who just jumped on, good morning. Thanks for being here. Glad you could make it. (laughs) Hebrews 1, verse 7. Now, this verse is interesting. It says, 
uh, again, New Living Translation. Regarding the angels, he says, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. That's interesting. He sends his angels like winds, his servants like flames of fire. Well, who are his servants? His servants can also be interpreted as his ministers. I believe that might be the way it reads in the, the King James Version. And this is a quotation. Where does this quotation come from? Go back to Psalm 104 real quick. Psalm 104. Psalm 104, verse 4. This is David. David writes this. It says in Psalm 104.4, it says the exact same thing. It's a quote. It's being pulled from there. Uh, the winds are your messengers. Flames of fire are your servants. You see that? Your servants. And who are the servants? Well, the servants would be us. The servants would be those people who are following the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the servants of God. Um, certainly, he's giving, he's giving this reference to us, and the, the angels have a role but ultimately, they're servants as well, too. But we are the ones who are servants of God. We are the human servants of God. Um, and notice very carefully in Hebrews 1, if you go back to Hebrews 1, 7, of the angels, he says, uh, it says, who is he? Who is the one who is the one who is saying this? He, who is he? Who is he being referred to here? Well, God is the one who is being referred to. God is the one. Yeah. God the Father, exactly. God the Father is the one who's being referred to here. And so go back, if you look at it for what it is, if, uh, I'm going to go back to Hebrews real quick. Uh, I hate jumping around, but I just want to make sure that we're covering this thing here. Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1. take a look at that real quick, just as a reminder of what, uh, how Hebrews sets this up and wants people to understand that he is indeed speaking in a divine manner through those who are the ones who are going to be recording this information uh, for us to be able to read today. Hebrews 1.1 says it very clearly. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And let's just add in verse 2 just for the sake of discussion. And now in these final days, because we keep hearing that we're in the final days, right? We're in the last days, the final days. He has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything through, through the son, to the son as an inheritance, and through the son he created the universe. So the Old Testament sets up the return of Jesus Christ. It's in prophecy that way. And we recognize that we're in the final days. Now, why, are we, why is there such an emphasis to final days? You need to understand something. Jesus Christ is the trigger, the catalyst, to show us that we're in the final days. He is the one that we need to look to for all this information that we're getting. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. He provided the Spirit for us to have greater understanding. But the divine revelation was that God set up all of this conversation, all of this discussion about the Old Testament prophets and what they're revealing to people based upon how he uh, shares with them the information for them to, to take down. And... Hebrews 1.1 goes back and says, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets, to our ancestors. Who are the ancestors? The people that came before us. And we have to look at it from a biblical perspective. The ancestors that came before us, those who were in the body of Christ, those who were in 
those who were fighting the body of Christ, those who were prior to Christ, all the ancestors that were followers of God back then, they're the ones that were being spoken to. And let me drop down to verse 6 of Hebrews 1. Verse 6. It says, And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, Let all of God's angels worship him. Let all of God's angels worship him. And that sets up for verse 7 as well, too. Um, So it's all being set up for us to understand and see that uh, and this is being written in Hebrews, by the way, which, which we just did a study of. Uh, I think we went through the entire book of Hebrew, entire study of Hebrews as well, too. And I almost helped, like to think I didn't rush through this too much, but I, I hope I didn't. But it's really important for us to see what the writer of Hebrews is saying to us. The words of in Hebrews where he quotes what David said in Psalm 104 were what? These are the words of God. God is the one who revealed this information in this text for us to see. Those were his words. That's who is attributed to being the ultimate author of these texts. God is the one who reveals this information to us. How could we come, how could we come to this conclusion without God making the revelation to us? We wouldn't be able to. We could only surmise. We could only guess. We could only um, make some sort of a judgment behind it but there wouldn't be any substance behind it because we wouldn't have any way to prove it or even get into it so we need to understand that the words that men wrote and attributed to god by other persons who were writing later in the bible that those words came from god that's what's being report uh, recorded here the writer of hebrews these are words that are being revealed by god to the writer of hebrews and we even speculated who was the writer of Hebrews, and we really weren't sure exactly. We think it was Paul, but we don't know for sure. But it doesn't really matter who the writer was as long as we understand that this information provided for us in the text in Hebrews and in every other, in every other book in the Bible comes directly from God. It comes from him. It was being divinely revealed to them. So now let's look at another way that the Bible makes a claim to be revelation from God. It comes from the way that the Lord authenticates the Bible. Authenticates it. That's a really interesting word to use. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have a great example to give for what, how to authenticate something, but other than the fact that typically if you want to sign a document electronically, you have to authenticate it and show that it is indeed your signature. There is a way now you can take a PDF for those of you who know what a PDF is, and, and sign it uh, electronically with your, uh, and, and then there's an authentication or, a, or some sort of a symbol that is attached to that that shows it's your signature so someone just can't sign anything and represent you. Well, here's how God is authenticating the Bible. Take a look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. And let me get to verse 17. Matthew 5. Now, this is actually Jesus speaking. So that's something that we need to understand as well, too. Uh, Okay, Ronnie, we'll see you. Take care of yourself. Matthew chapter 5. Um. We're going to look at verses 17 and 18. We're going to be looking at this where 
it's important for you to, and I think there's emphasis that comes with memorization of verses as well, too. Um, I never thought about memorizing something like this, but it, it does mean something if you understand what Jesus is saying and what his words are. Matthew chapter 5 contains one of the key verses that every Christian ought to know in relation to the subject we're studying. And Jesus is the speaker. So let's look at verses 17 and 18 in Matthew chapter 5. Don't misunderstand why I have come. That's very important to see right away. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And then verse 18. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Now that's a big deal. Now this is the New Living Translation, and so this is the modern version of what's being said here, but I'm going to make an emphasis here. It might be a good idea to... Let me see if I can pull up the King James Version real quick of that passage. I'm going to read it again so that you understand what's going on here. The New Living Translation kind of encapsulates it in a very simple way. But let's look at the King James Version of this same passage. Verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill and then verse 18, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now we got the words jot and tittle in there, and that's what we need to understand. But the New Living Translation says the same thing. It's about not one version of the word is going to change one bit. Nothing is going to be excluded. It's all going to be fulfilled according to what the law says. Now, understand that this jot and tittle is referring to the Hebrew alphabet. The jot is the smallest letter is the, in the Hebrew alphabet. And this is all being written, you know, this is Hebrew. This is all being written here. It's being interpreted Hebrew uh, into, into Greek, okay? But it's coming from the original Hebrew language. So jot is the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The tittle is a little horn that distinguishes between the Hebrew R and the Hebrew D. So a tittle is just a small little mark, okay? And that's what you need to understand here. Most scholars feel that this little protruding line, that little horn, that tittle, that is one of the smallest marks that distinguishes between two letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So this is what Jesus is referring to. He's actually referring to the original Hebrew language, and he's referring to when the smallest letters and the smallest marks in Scripture, in Hebrew. So if you look at this for what it's really saying here, if you put into the context of what's being spoken here in Scripture about what's being said here in verses 17 and 18 of Matthew chapter 5, all of the Old Testament is very reliable. The things that we read in the Old Testament are very reliable. And I have a sidebar on that real quick. It is our Lord's testimony to the Old Testament. In other words, the Old Testament is worth paying attention to. Be very cautious about people who say, don't read the Old Testament. I don't need to read the Old Testament. I'm just going to read the New Testament. That is 
a, a, a travesty. It, you should always, always go back to look at what the Old Testament is saying. It is a way to make greater testimony for the in, biblical inerrancy because the Old Testament contains biblical prophecy about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is saying here that he is fulfilling the law, the Old Testament law, by his appearance and what he plans to do and what he is doing right now in the world today. Everything is taking What about the book of Daniel? The book of Daniel is speaking about future events. That's what's taking place in the book of Daniel. So you certainly can't ignore the Old Testament by any circumstances. You'd be eliminating a, lot, a great number of things that can essentially lay the claim that the Bible is inerrant because everything that is going to be happening in the future is going to be is mentioned uh, in Daniel in the book of prophecy. So he's telling us that the Old Testament is not the words of men. It's not just a bunch of guys who got together and started writing, which is what a lot of people will try to say, that because it was written over a period of years, well, it's just a bunch of guys who are novelists that are writing something, which is, which is a blatant lie. It's a lie from Satan to make a claim like that. The Old Testament is not the speculation of philosophers. The Old Testament is not a conglomeration of stories and myths. It is that it is truth. It is something to be believed in. It is something to follow. That's what God is saying. That's what Jesus is saying right here in Matthew chapter 5. He's giving you information to tell you that everything that you read in Scripture is truth. Everything. The entire book. And to refer back to that, and no matter how much you'll hear about people saying, well, this Bible was changed over here and this Bible was changed over there, or someone altered Scripture and and someone is saying that this God is not the God that we're supposed to be worshiping. We're supposed to be worshiping someone else. It just makes me tired <laughs> to hear stuff like that because ultimately it just confuses people. And what does Satan want? Satan wants people to be confused. Satan wants people to doubt the truth of God's word. That is what we need to understand here. He wants us to doubt these things. So we need to see, though, that the Old Testament is not speculation. It's not just a philosophy exercise. It's not just stories and myths. Heaven and earth will not pass away until all is fulfilled. All of the law that Jesus speaks about is to be fulfilled. So he's giving you, uh, essentially, that the information that, is, that he is fulfilling is directly from God. Because what was Jesus' purpose for being on the earth? To be obedient to God. He, and, and so he is basically saying and telling you, look, the Old Testament is valid. It is something to pay attention to. I'm being obedient to the Father by being here in this place. And so it's something to, be, to understand that he has not come to destroy. He has not come to blow that all up. He has come to fulfill it. All that the Old Testament does, remember what I had mentioned earlier about how the Old Testament the the whole thing about blood and animal sacrifices, it was a matter of people being obedient to God. The blood and animal sacrifices were secondary at the time. It was about people being obedient to what God had told them that gave them the ability to have forgiveness and understanding and grace. And so we need to understand that. And what happened when people were not being obedient to God's word? Uh, what happened to uh, Eli's sons? Yeah, they were... Uh, because they failed to be obedient, it was it was that was the issue it was more than what they were doing. You have to understand something. It's about the hearts of the individual that God looks to and sees. 
And so we want us to understand, we want to understand that Jesus in this particular area is telling us exactly what we need to understand about God's divine revelation. The Old Testament is directly from God. Everything that we read about in the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, is directly from God. And look at all the prophets in the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophets were speaking God's word. They were speaking about God's revelation. What they he revealed to them, they recorded and they put down. So now we see these three different ways of indicating the Bible claims to be a revelation from God. I want you to see that and, you know, understand something. This revelation, um, anybody can claim to say that they <laughs> something God revealed to them. Okay, God told this to me. God said this to me. God did this to me. Yeah, they can claim those things and they can say those things. But, you know, there are 11 different world religions and every one of them has a sacred book and Everyone has a claim that there's some sort of a revelation from God or a higher power or whatever name that they want to give uh, to God. But that's and but the Bible is exclusive and is one of the eleven books that we're referring to. Different eleven different religions. I don't have time to give you all the different religions. There's plenty of different ones, but you can imagine what they are that they're being uh, uh, talked about today. But the fact that every one of them claims. Uh, to be a revelation from God is really incidental unless there is some sort of evidence to support that claim. So let me give you three evidences to support the Bible's claim for itself. Okay, The first is the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. That may be one of the stronger ones. Bible prophecy, the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. When a person begins to question the revelation of the scriptures, one of the first areas you want to move into is the area of the fulfillment of prophecy. Um, take a look at John chapter 19. John 19. Now I'm going to, let's see, John 19, make sure I get this right, verse 23. I'm going to go back to the New Living Translation. John 19, 23. This is an interesting thing that's mentioned here. Then the soldiers, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, this is John 19, 23, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Now, and then, you know, of course, there's in verse 24. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. <laughs> That's in verse 24. Rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Now, you got to look at this. Four different parts of his clothing, right? To every soldier apart. How many soldiers were there? Obviously four soldiers. And also his coat. So the coat was left over. Every soldier was given a part of his garment. How many pieces were there to his garment then? There were four pieces to his garment plus the coat. They gave a piece of the garment to every soldier. There were four soldiers. Each of them received a piece of the garment, and the coat was left over. We know that the way men dressed in the days of the New Testament were, there were, in fact, four pieces to the garment that they would be wearing, including their undergarments and their outer garments. 
So the garments of our Lord were taken and divided among the soldiers. First of all, it was divided into four parts because there were four parts to the garment. Every soldier was given a part and the coat was left over. And then we go on and read about verse 24, which we did. We already did that. Let's cast lots for it, which is referred to in the, in the King James Version. We're saying in the New Living Testament, casting lots is what? Throwing dice. That's what it is. And, and so the, set, the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, and this is the King James Version of what we just read, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. Okay, so you see a prophecy from the Old Testament. That's back in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 reports this, and thank you for, for putting that up. I appreciate that. You went right to it. Psalm 22, it's in verse 18. It's an understanding of, how, of God as to how many pieces there would be in the garments the Lord would be wearing the day he is crucified. There is even an understanding of how many soldiers there would be at the foot of the cross the day he was crucified. That's pretty remarkable. That's something that is not happenstance. That's what we need to see here. What would happen if there were five soldiers that were responsible for the crucifixion? The prophecy would never have been fulfilled. What would have ever happened if the Lord had only been wearing three pieces to his garment beside his coat? The prophecy wouldn't have been fulfilled. That would have been a problem there. So the prophecy of Psalm 22 is an amazing prophecy considering how many pieces of clothing would be got, uh, Jesus would be wearing and how many soldiers would be responsible for his crucifixion at the cross. So we need to see something like this and say, wow, I mean, this is something that is not an accident. You know how we have odds makers out there? You have people who make odds. What are the odds, for example? Who's going to be the first person? You can bet on anything in Vegas these days. Um, uh, Brother Nate Marnell can attest to this. You can bet on anything. <laughs> you can bet on anything in Vegas these days. You can bet on who the first person is going to be who score a touchdown and what team that person is going to be on. And, and I say the first person, the first person to score a touchdown. Uh, and there's all kinds of odds makers out there who will, take, who will gladly take your money and, and, and give you odds for something like that. And you, and you would be uh, the one to, uh, if you happen to pick the right person, you'll get paid back pretty handsomely for that. But you have to understand something. That's still a, it's a chance. It's not an actual prediction as to what's going to happen. But the Old Testament is prophecy being fulfilled as we go through time. We see this as we look at the life of Jesus. We see this as we look at what the, how the Old Testament is set up. And it's very clear from a biblical perspective and from a time perspective how the Bible, the Old Testament is clearly defined as far as what the law is. And it's clearly defined. And it was many, many years before Jesus came. So we see that there's a clear difference in time here. We're talking about a time in the past versus the time in the present and the future. And so we need to understand that there are hundreds of prophecies. A thousand years before Christ, there are prophecies made, and there are hundreds of prophecies that we could look to and see, and there are many others as well, too. So the fulfillment of prophecy is one of the evidences that supports the Bible's claim that it is a revelation from God. That is really probably one of the strongest ones, and that's the one we need to see here. And that is what we need to recognize when we look at biblical prophecy. Um, I'm going to have to stop here only because our time is fleeting by, but I'm glad I covered that because I want you to go back and think about 
how biblical prophecy is being fulfilled. This is why it's really important for everyone within the sound of my voice to be reading the Bible every day, studying scripture every day, looking at the biblical truths every day that we are living through and understanding, looking at the life of Jesus in the four Gospels and how he is the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of what's being written, and that's what he is saying himself when we look at these passages, um, especially in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. So I hope that you can see all of this and, and, and understand it for what it really is, that you're looking at history being made and prophecy being fulfilled every day as we look at the Bible and how it relates to us, how we see the events of today, how we see the times of today, how we see the different kingdoms that are going to be forthcoming. There's so many things that we need to look at here on how the Bible does really does give us a really valuable guide for us to be able to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, trust in him for salvation, trust in him that he will fulfill the law as he designated and as he wrote it. And, and I'm, I'm very thankful for this particular study. It, it gives me, it encourages me as I read this and look at it as well, too. So we're going to stop here now and we're going to pray and uh, uh, we'll pray and continue and pick up with this next week. Father, we just thank you for your teaching and your guidance as you provide to us your word, your truth. Lord, we want to continue to look to your word as something that we should always be falling back on when we have any doubts or any questions or any issues. We know that you indeed are not going to let anything fall to the floor when it comes to your word. And we thank you for your teaching and we thank you for your ever-loving kindness and presence. We thank you that the Spirit gives us what we need to understand your truth. And we are eternally grateful for who you are. We thank you for having us here for the purpose of proclaiming your gospel to others as well, too. Thank you for your teaching. Lord, we just give you all the praise and thanks for all that you do for us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you all, everyone. Thanks for being here today. We're going to head on down to Akron. Uh, and yeah, tr thanks for tr yes, travel mercies, amen. Uh, but we hope to see you again next week with another uh, edition of this survey of biblical inerrancy. We want to cover this, and we pray that you'll just be with us and hang in there with us as we go through these scriptures, and we appreciate your, your kind words along the way. Thank you again. God bless you all. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.